Good morning, world. It's going to be a great day. Welcome to the Play Life Loudly podcast. I'm your host, Abby Halpin. I'm a physical therapist who sometimes wishes I was a music teacher. Before we start today, I would like to give a quick shout out to a friend who told me that she listens to my podcast at night because my voice is so soothing. (laughs) So if you're listening, Kelsey, I hope you had a great day. Sweet dreams. Today, I'd like to answer one of the most frequent questions I get. Do virtual sessions actually work? My answer is always yes, probably. (laughs) I spent the first 10, 11 years of my career as a PT and coach working with clients in person. I 100% understand the magic of being in the room together. That's why I offer in-person sessions here in Vermont still. But the tumultuous time at the start of the coronavirus pandemic threw me and literally everyone else into the online space. I was living in Seattle at the time, which was where the first coronavirus outbreak was in the U.S. And in one day, I built a virtual physical therapy practice and started an online fitness programming service so that I could continue to get my people what they needed when resources were otherwise limited. Honestly, I got into PT because I like people, not computers. I did not expect to like this at all, but it was just a means to an end to getting my people the care they needed. I have never been more pleasantly surprised in my entire life. And this shift to this virtual world actually opened a lot of doors for what was possible. Basically, virtual physical therapy and virtual coaching allows for pretty much all treatment types, except the obvious, manual therapy. (laughs) I've known for a long time that hands-on therapy helps. It's not the only way to alter somebody's symptoms or change their movement habits. Don't get me wrong, I use manual techniques all the time in my in-person sessions. And when I get a new virtual client who's in clear need for these hands-on things, I am just the first person to tell them. (laughs) And we work together to find who or what they need, make that happen. I am not interested in just trying stuff when I know what you need is just not in my arsenal during virtual care. But most of the time, my clients need guidance on how to shift how they're loading their bodies during a painful movement. Uh, They need to learn new ways of doing things. They need to talk about their experience and link some things together that they previously may not have thought were connected. And most importantly, they just need to build a plan that they can implement for themselves to feel their best get through a big event without incident, or like play a certain piece that's especially physical in a new way. All of these things can happen virtually. So today I'd like to take you through a description of a recent visit with someone who gave their permission, of course, so that you know what these virtual sessions can look like. Everybody has a different session because of course it's tailored to you. (laughs) So this is the message that I got from them when they were seeking out working together. This is a quote. I'm a musical theater performer and teaching artist. Recently, I've experienced some issues with breath support that do not appear to be due to any vocal issue per se. My voice teacher suggested contacting you to explore potential physical causes and remedies. This person, this is back to me now, (laughs) this person has significant dance training, is a fantastic singer, and teaches theater. His main complaint is that he loses his breath support, he feels strained and unstable when he sings, and experiences a sticky, crampy feeling around his diaphragm area, especially when he goes up in range. 
quite honestly, this note and this story like makes me like drool. <laughs> can you professionally drool? If you can, that's what I was doing. <laughs> it sounds like something I made up because it is just so perfect for this type of work, but I did not make this up. Here's a description of our first visit together. We hopped online. We introduced ourselves and he told me what was going on and what he'd like to get out of our work together. Since his symptoms showed up while singing, I watched him sing. And then I had to watch him sing again because I just fangirled out too hard the first time. This happens embarrassingly frequently. <laughs> we then did a whole assessment. I watched him stand and breathe. I watched him move his neck, his shoulders, his back, his hips. I checked his balance. We did squats. He demonstrated some of his dance movements. All throughout this, I took an insane amount of notes. Quick aside, I had to get a dry erase board because I was wasting notebooks. So many notebooks, just scribbling ideas and observations. And I was, you know, I type up my notes at the end of the session. I don't need these notebooks full of scribbles. And um, the movement maestro always uses a whiteboard. I was like, that's genius. So now I have this dry erase board that I scribble on throughout our sessions. Okay, anyway, back to this person. At this point, once we do our assessment, I take all of my notes. This is often the time that we kind of do the sit down and nerd out together, and we discuss our findings, start building a plan. But in this case, I promised him that I had thoughts about what was going on and told him that with his level of body awareness and training, I wasn't ready to share them yet. Sometimes people just know how to change things on purpose too easily, and it's better to wait. <laughs> So we jumped into treatment before education in this case. That is not always how we do things. And some people are more comfortable knowing why we're trying things before we try them. It, this is just a complete moment of where we individualize your session. A huge thank you to this person for trusting me in that moment and rolling with it. Okay, so then we had him trying some new ways of breathing focusing on putting him in positions that allow for expansion in areas that appeared sticky and allowed for more exhalation in the areas that were really good at expanding or staying expanded all the time. We did two different exercises in this case. Then he sang again and wow, he felt freedom in his upper registers, only had one incidence of that sticky crampy thing in his diaphragm. We say diaphragm because that's like where it was geographically. But honestly, we don't really know what was feeling sticky in this case. I could probably do a whole podcast on that. And stay tuned in the future. He also just felt like a general ease that wasn't there before. I've had this experience with other clients too, where they'll be like, was that the same key? Because those notes were too easy to reach. From an observation standpoint, there was less like death gripping in his abdominals when he started each phrase. So overall, it was a win. So at that point, we sat down and we talked. I told him what I thought was going on. I'm going to quick get real anatomy nerdy for a second. So I'm sorry if this isn't interesting. But the things that I noticed with this person was he was really quick and kind of all or nothing in the contraction of his abdominals and some of his back muscles when he sang, especially at the onset of phrases. And it was kind of locking down his rib cage movement in both directions, both inhale and exhale. He had better expansion in the front of his body than the back, which is technically always true, but it was so limited in the back. It was less limited in the front from what it typically is, not looking for symmetry in forward, backward, if that makes sense. 
because of his abs and some of his back muscles were doing that death grip thing, he wasn't really using his ribcage expansion very efficiently or effectively. So we needed to allow his abs to turn on in different amounts, like how about 10%, how about 37%, and be good at that in different body positions. And we needed to encourage other areas of his ribs to expand so that the muscles around his ribs and his diaphragm had a broader vocabulary of movements available. He needs to be able to sing and dance. He literally needs to be able to make the same types of sounds and make the same type of air movements to make those sounds, no matter what movements he's doing. Which foot he's standing on, is he turning, side bending, landing hard on one foot, all of this needs to be available. <laughs> that death gripping thing just cuts off your options. So back to the visit. We built a plan, including those two exercises we started with. He was going to use them before his voice lessons and before teaching, since it's a lot of speaking, singing, and dancing. I wrote up a summary of the session for him, including what I thought was going on, what he told me, the plan to make it better, what to expect, and specific exercise instructions. I try really hard to write these plans in a way that like, you can understand, you the client, and none of this like medical jargon gobbledygook. He also asked me to send this plan to his voice teacher, which I thought was genius. I did that, and we ended up chatting a little bit because she was interested in implementing this into his lessons. So yay, teamwork. We then made a plan to meet in about six weeks to give him a lot of time to work on these things. The frequency of our sessions always depends on you. The, this person teaches other people, so I felt confident that he was going to be able to take these exercises and also use the ideas from the exercises in his other movements throughout the day. He also wasn't in acute pain, so it's not like we needed to meet all the time um, to make him feel less pain in his general life. So I felt confident having that larger span of time in between our sessions. With some clients, it's once a week for a while, others it's every two to four weeks, or kind of just as needed, depending on a performance schedule. Sometimes I just do a one-off consult just to get someone pointed in the right direction. That's always kind of fun. These visits are always all about you. So even the number of visits or how often we meet is a direct reflection of what you need from me. So yeah, we did all of that in an hour. I feel a little tired just talking about it. He did have one more follow-up with me. It was a similar formatted session. The exercises got a little more specific to the things that were kind of still lingering. We also came up with in-the-moment strategies to use, especially for these long days of teaching or performing where there aren't always options to like limit your singing or dancing. This was the plan I wrote at the bottom of the summary for that second visit. Plan. Check in in about six to eight weeks if needed to measure progress and make sure everything is moving in the direction we hoped. Let me know if I can help at all in the future. Otherwise, just keep being wonderful. I hope that gives you an idea of how virtual sessions can be effective. They're also insanely convenient. This wasn't the case with this person, but I've had a number of clients who play numerous instruments or have three or four different versions of the same instrument. It's so helpful to get to demonstrate what's bothering you on the actual instrument and sometimes in your actual practice space. This has been clutch for pianists, just like computer and workstation setups. You can't just like pick up your whole workstation or pick up your whole piano and bring it to your PT session with you. And it's hard to describe when you get there. So having it all happen in the space that you're in and with the equipment that you have makes it so much easier for me to see what's going on and be more accurate in what my recommendations are. It's also easier for you to implement on your own. You don't have to go home and look around and be like, okay, I need something that looks like that tool we used. 
it's already all set up by the end of our session. There is something really wonderful about treating people in the spaces they are comfortable. Clients seem more comfortable, like literally more at home. <laughs> and more importantly, I get to meet your babies and pets. I know this space is all about you and making sure you have the tools you need to be the best you. But honestly, I get to listen to you play a bunch, like a little one-on-one -on -one serenade. And I get to meet your cute pets and humans. Ooh, it's the best. All right, what questions do you have about virtual sessions? Please feel free to send me an email, a DM, a text message. What are other ways to contact people? Whatever you like works for me. If you have a topic or question you'd like me to answer or discuss, you can submit a question. You can go to the I have a question link on my bio on Instagram. Look for the photo of the little dog with a raised paw. Or you can go to the podcast page of my website at www.forteperformancept.com backslash play life loudly podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with a friend. Feel free to give it some stars if you'd like. You can subscribe on Spotify so you get a little reminder when the next episode drops next Tuesday morning. Speaking of next Tuesday, I will be talking about why your hands might be falling asleep while you practice and when to see someone about it. As always, Forte fam, let me know what you need.